a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Welcome to the Doing Time show. I'm Peter. Um, we're just going to play a recording of a rally, from Let Them Stay rally um, for refugees that was um, recorded on the 2nd of September. 2017 at 12 p.m. in front of the Parliament House. ...by the Refugee Action Collective. I am one of your co-chairs for today, Angelica, and I wanted to thank you all for coming out here today. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting. I pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, to their elders past and present. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Now, we shouldn't have to be here protesting for the rights of our fellow, be- fellow human beings, but here we are. I know that this fight is long and can seem like an uphill battle, but we will not rest until we have won. Refugees and asylum seekers that come to us for help deserve dignity, respect and fairness. And I know that if we were to ask the coalition government if dignity, respect and fairness were Australian values, they would respond in the affirmative. These are the values that we are taught that all people are entitled to. So then, why is it that our government believes that refugees and people seeking asylum do not deserve this? Why does our government think it's okay to commit human rights abuses so horrific that there are seven submissions to the International Criminal Court? We all know about the lack of education lack of freedom of movement, the rapes and the abuse that go on in these offshore camps. We know all of this and we have seen report after report, whistleblowers speaking out, the refugees themselves telling their stories. We know all this and yet the government that is supposed to be fair and decent is refusing to do anything to fix the situation and is in fact only making it worse. Just when we thought that things couldn't get any worse, there have been further developments, both with the people stuck offshore and those that are here. Firstly, three pregnant women and nearly 50 others have been denied medical transfers from Nauru to Australia. Some of the conditions conditions that they have need treatment and surgery that simply cannot be performed on Nauru, and it is essentially the Australian government that is allowing these people to suffer in our name. Doctors are requesting that they be brought to Australia, but it is our Immigration Minister, Peter Dutton, who has decided that he is smarter than the doctors and has decided to keep these innocent people suffering. This is through making the Nauru hospital staff in charge and absolving any responsibility of the Australian doctors and immigration officials. That is the first of the most recent outrages. Secondly, the federal government has decided to cut more than $200 a fortnight in income support for around 100 people that were brought to Australia for medical treatment. The affected people will have three weeks to move out of government-supported accommodation. These people seeking asylum are already living in our community and are already trying to survive in Australia and to cut them off of what really is a small amount of health care is not only cruel, but actually goes against what a government is supposed to deliver. A government is supposed to provide basic services for the people within the country. Our government is throwing the people on the streets with absolutely nothing. Not only is it committing human rights abuses in the offshore and onshore camps, it is committing human rights abuses here in our very community. 
This move is disgusting and immoral and surely does not show one bit of dignity, respect and fairness. Labor's immigration spokesperson Shane Newman has spoken out against this, saying that this move tar targets the most vulnerable in our community. This is a very important step with Labor recognising that there are some lines that you just do not cross. To further this, we are calling on the Victorian Labor Premier Daniel Andrews to renew his calls to settle the refugees here and to provide the housing and support that the federal government has cut. We need all state governments and Bill Shorten to follow the lead in the ACT where they called for all refugees to be brought to Australia and settled here and where they would be actually welcomed in our community. Bring them here! 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 And we need these demands to come from all levels of government so that the pressure on Turnbull is so great that he must listen to us. And so that is why we are here today, because we need to further protest and demand that our refugees are brought to Australia, close the camps and make them feel welcome in a country that is supposed to value dignity, respect and fairness. We have some excellent speakers today who have shown time and time again their commitment to not only the refugee movement, but other social causes. And we thank them endlessly for this. However, we also thank all of you here today. We need to build a broad grassroots movement that proves that the Australian people are good and reject policies of absolute cruelty and inhumanity. And that is why it is so important that you all keep on doing what you're doing because every single bit adds to our movement. Thank you. We've heard of them before, haven't we? No, well, I can't go there. That's called dark humour, isn't it? So we won't talk about it. I've got th two weddings I've got to go to, so I apologise first for Flick. There's nothing there. Says the Archbishop did that. I know what they are from, and he knows I'm here, you see. So I've got two weddings away from here, but I thought this is, we could start off with this wedding, isn't it? because you're marrying yourselves, aren't you, to the cause, for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part, isn't it? Yeah. 
So that's nice. So we've, uh, and the other thing I thought of last night, because I've got no wife, child, lover or manager, uh, hello, so you spend your time talking to yourself. And I said to myself, you remember that old film where uh, Moses was standing, who was that fellow? Charlton Heston, with a big stick. And the poor old Hebrews were being chased out of Egypt, weren't they? And he divided the goddamn sea in, and they, what the? So I said to myself, that's why we, we could try it this morning. All face Nauru and Manus and hold our hands up, and who knows? The waters might divide like that. Will it make the mainstream media? I don't think so. And then all the comrades could walk from Manus and, uh, and Nauru into uh, Australia. So that's, anyway, that, 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 that passed in the night. Um, I'm very grateful to be here simply because um, I'm a great believer. And, and George, well not George, we agree on that word. What's that word? I feel like sexier. It's in the paper this morning, Arnold Zabel, who writes good books. He's got a beautiful article in The Age this morning about the ancient virtue of that thing. You see what I mean? Which means welcoming strangers. And it came out of the desert and it came out of the mountains and everybody knew that you're only not one check away from bankruptcy, but you're only one step away from being a stranger yourself. And so the Greeks, God love them, developed all kinds of wise words and sayings that says, listen sport, you better make strangers your friends because any minute you're going to be a stranger yourself. Isn't it? That's smart, isn't it? That's wisdom. That's not bloody politics. That's wisdom. That's why you, you, you are the wisest gathering of people in Melbourne this today. See, even wiser than the Geelong supporters. <laughs> see, who are meeting in their temple down the street. You see, and I represent the depressed Collingwood supporters. <laughs> you see? <laughs> but for, I'll go, I'll go, but I mean, I want you to know that what you're doing is of absolute and essential um, civil duty. Absolute. Now they reckon, George says, and the others are saying, that you are all worn out. Well, they, you, you, you can't help it. You're, you're not, you know what I mean, ethereal beings. Blood, toil, tears and sweat takes its toll. But I suppose getting together like this, which the Japanese call crowd, I call it crowd bathing. See, they go into their forests and they, they breathe in the beautiful... Uh, um, uh, smells and the beautiful and I said to myself I know what I'm going to do this morning it's called crowd bathing because once we all get together like this you become refreshed so where would you go except to the prophet learning do you remember learning he said and this is the dark side he says give me your tired your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, and in their face I'll slam the door. And send them back to sea and deliver them in chains, what's more, to those from whom they flee. See, that's the dark side, isn't it? The other side is what he says, and I'll leave you now, thank you for having me. God help us to change to change ourselves and to change our world, to know the need for it, to deal with the pain of it, to feel the joy of it, to undertake the journey without understanding the destination, the art of gentle revolution, isn't it? Thank you for having me. And I'm off to see the wizard. Today is Andrew Giles, the Federal Labor Member for Scullin and who was elected in 2013. 
Prior to this, he was a principal lawyer at Slater and Gordon. Andrew is one of the people within the Labor Party to actively advocate for a humane solution to the refugee issue. I believe it is worthwhile that we commend him for his continued efforts as these most certainly do not go unnoticed. In particular, Andrew was one of the few people that spoke out against and moved a motion against the ALP policy of, the ALP policy of Turnbacks. We thank him for his continued work and all of his efforts. Welcome up. Look, thanks very much, Angelica. Um, I should say at the start, Father Bob's a very hard act to follow. I won't try and emulate his style. But I also want to say two things to and about Angelica. Firstly, um, it fills me with great hope to see someone speak with such authority and clarity and passion at an event like this. So thank you for that. And thank you also for kind words, but uh, as a lawyer first up and as a politician, I've been a pretty poor advocate for refugees. So uh, I think the challenge is to look forward, not back for all of us in this. I really wanted to, to be here for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's critical that we show that Melbourne is concerned about the fate of people who have done nothing wrong and have only sought our help. And I think it's also important that, that you see that, that people will take these concerns to Canberra. And when I think about the politics and the policies that go to how Australia deals with people who ask us for help, I think there's two things to, to bear in mind. The first is getting the policies right is really hard. This is a diabolical challenge. But there's a simple proposition that should underpin this, and that is how should we treat people? How can we turn our hearts away from people in need, vulnerable people in need. And particularly when there are people who are in our care, who we can do something which doesn't change any of these policy settings, but simply makes their lives less awful. I think it is extraordinary that we have a government that has stooped this low. But last week, I thought about our government a little bit. I thought about how Malcolm Turnbull can care more about our statues going Okay, oh, that's better. Normally it's me that breaks the technology. Um, I thought about how extraordinary it is that our Prime Minister can get so worked up about what's written on statues, but be so heedless of the impact of his weakness on LGBTIQ uh, Australians. I thought how shameful that was. But then of course Peter Dutton did so much worse. And I was speaking just a minute before I came up here on the stage to a woman from uh, the wonderful Asylum Seeker Resource Centre who was telling me about taking a, a, a woman who's about to give birth to a baby who was present with a, with a two-year-old, taking this woman through the food bank, a woman who's just received one of these letters, a woman who's dealing with the prospect of being thrown out on the street. And I thought, this is something that, that can't go without remark right across the community. It must be touched upon in our parliament as well as on the streets. And the last thought I had, I was at a gathering uh, last week in my electorate in Mill Park with Con from the ARSRC and dozens of community members. Community members who are concerned to have a different conversation about uh, asylum. A conversation that's premised on hope triumphing over fear, which it will, which it will. And I, I, I just want to say, yeah, it is. I mean, look, all politics is about a contest between hope and fear. And let's, let's also remind that the key to everything this government does in asylum and refugees is shielding people from our sight. And I take great heart from that actually because I think they know when Australians think about the circumstances of these people in our community or outside of it at the moment, we will change our minds as to how we treat these people. And the person that I want to think about when I go back to Canberra and I'd like you all to think about is a young woman from Iran who's living in the community. She's part of the group called the, the Legacy Caseload by the government. And she said this to me, as she waits for, for the privilege of being able to make an application for asylum. She said this, I feel like I'm a spectator in my own life. And those are words that I've been carrying with me for the last week, and I hope I don't have to carry with me for too long, because no one should feel that they are a spectator in their own life. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your activism. And hope will triumph over fear. Free the refugees! Lock up Dutton! Throw away the keys! 
We won't stop till we free the refugees. Lock up Dutton, throw away the keys. We won't stop till we free the refugees. Throw away the keys. We won't stop till we free the refugees. All right, well, I think it's worth remembering that last year, um, about what happens at the Lady Salento Hospital, uh, workers there gave a stunning example of the power of uh, workers and unions. When the government attempted to deport a refugee baby back to offshore detention, after the burn she, she sustained on the island were treated, the doctors and nurses working there told the government no and refused to discharge her. Activists, yeah, woo! Yeah, so activists and unionists came out in solidarity to fight the government and stopped the deportation of that child. I think solidarity is important in the struggle to free the refugees. If thousands of asylum seekers can be imprisoned without charge or trial indefinitely, it, if the government can deport Tamil refugees back to the torture and conflict they fled, it follows that it makes it easier for the Liberal government to target construction workers who stand up to reckless employers and speak out about unsafe workplaces. It makes it easier for the government to restrict the civil rights of all of us. None of us can be free until the refugees are free. So I think it's important for us to stand in solidarity with the Tamils and all refugees the government wants to lock up or deport. And that, our next speaker is Aaron Milvaganam. He came to Australia as a 13-year-old unaccompanied refugee in 1997. He is the founder and spokesperson of the Tamil Refugee Council and works as a union activist with the finance sector union. So make him feel welcome. Thank you for those kind words. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of this land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I would like to pay my respect to Wurundjeri elders past and present. Like the previous speakers said, we're all assembled here because of Turnbull government's recent announcement which is designed to create fear in the refugee community and to appease the right-wing elements in this country. Turnbull government is not only cutting financial support to these refugees, they're creating a desperate situation so that these refugees will choose to return. They are determined to condemn these refugees to persecution, including torture and death, by deporting them. Among the 400, there are people with different experiences of torture in their home country and on Nauru and Manus. This action by the Turnbull government is going to worsen their mental health conditions. These people have not committed any crime to deserve this. Turnbull government is using these refugees for political gains. There is no other justification for these cruel actions against this small group of refugees who are just here to get medical help. These refugees, like Chloe said, and Angelica said, these refugees are the victims of a corrupt government's desperate action to divert attention from real issues affecting the lives of Australian people. Let's not forget that some of these people are here because of injuries caused by our concentration camps on Manus and Nauru. We, as a people, have a duty to protect these refugees. We, as a people, have a duty to bring an end to this all-out war on refugees. 
time and time again, reports after reports, various international agencies, including the United Nations, have highlighted sexual abuses, self-harm attempts, child abuses, and other atrocious conditions these refugees faced in the hands of our government. They have been falling on deaf ears. In fact, our government is about to be rewarded with a seat on the UN Human Rights Council. We can't rely on these international agencies. We can't rely on anyone but ourselves to bring an end to this cruelty. These refugees have managed to stay here so far because of the Let Them Stay campaign, because of the people power. We need to show our support again. I have been very close to some of the refugees among the 400. Among them is a young Tamil mother who was kept as a sex slave by the Sri Lankan army for more than three years. She was gang raped in Sri Lankan army's custody. When she fled Sri Lanka and came here to seek our help, she was put on Nauru where she was raped by Australian guards. And that's the reason why she's here in the Australian community to get medical help. There is another Tamil mother who was brought here for treatment for her burns. Sri Lankan Navy, just three years ago, Sri Lankan Navy burned her in a house in 2013 because she refused to leave her land. These are the people our government is determined to deport. These are the lives our government is determined to destroy. When these people are invited for an interview with the immigration department, they're not being given any options. Either agree to go back or spend indefinite time in detention. This is what we call state-sponsored terrorism. Refugees who have fled brutal regimes are being subjected to the same level of torture they fled from. Australia is breaking not one, not two, but hundreds of international law. We should defend these people using whatever means necessary. For so long, the refugee movement have been patiently marching voicing for a change. It's been falling on deaf ears. It's time to escalate our campaign. I call on the Australian people to lead the fight back. I call on the trade union movement to lead the fight back. It's actually great to see the trade union movement in the, in the recent weeks leading fight back on uh, on some of the very important issues in, in our community. I call on the trade union movement, which is so far reluctant to take up this case with renewed energy. Refugees need our support. Your silence is just costing lives. Just like we did with the Let Them Stay campaign, let us continue with the fight back till the war on refugees come to an end. This evil system should be brought to an end. Let people power once again prevail government propaganda and let us keep up the fight and never rest until these refugees, these 400 refugees in our community are safe, until Manas and Nauru are shut down. Thank you. Free, free the refugees! Free, free the refugees! Free, free the refugees! Free, free the refugees! Thank you very much, Aaron, for speaking.
Next up is Dr. Helen Driscoll, a psychiatrist specialising in, specializing in sexual abuse, trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. She has spoken out about the long-term psychological impacts of detention and was also on ABC's Late Line in October 2015 discussing the horrific allegations that were made about the treatment of a sexual assault victim and her family on Nauru. Welcome, Helen. Well, you know that one pebble in a pond gives an extensive ripple, and there's more than one pebble here today. Um, I have to say that um, when I was a young medical officer, a long time ago, I worked for a while with the International um, High Commission of Refugees over in Cambodian refugee camp. Hence began my interest in psyche and soma and trauma. Since then, as a uh, child and adolescent psychiatrist working in family violence, child abuse, etc., I'm very aware, um, sadly, of the effects of adversity on the human uh, being and their functioning. What I never expected was that my own country would go against our own national anthem where it welcomes people from far away across the seas for refuge. Now one of the main things is that um, <clears throat> is the silence and when Peter Dutton says, you know, those of us who are helping refugees and asylum seekers, we're conning the government economically and making out they're sick when they're not. I'm afraid he's the con, and unfortunately his grandiosity in power has been further furbished by the government to an astonishing degree which is exceedingly grievous. When just over a year ago I was rang by the International Health and Medical Service, which is part of, contracted by Department of Immigration to provide the health services for onshore and offshore detention. If you were to Google IHMS, they boast that their biggest customer in the world is the CIA and they provided the health care in the rendition camps during the Bush years. Now the IHMS began and said to me, um, Helen Driscoll, um, we've been doing some digging on you, we know where you work, proceeded to tell me what I already knew where I worked and said, uh, you've been tinkering around and you don't have a contract from us to do this. Um, what I can say is that um, I found that and have a deep revulsion at such um, in attempted bullying and intimidation about the truth. Now, secrecy, tr transparency is the friend of integrity and secrecy is the friend of perversity and there is huge perversity that's going on. Now, with, normally with people who are unemployed and they need to get some work, you need to get them well enough. People can get a medical certificate if they're not well enough, right? Now, these people, who are they, have been turfed out progressively since last Monday. Now it's just under three weeks. As is already, and I won't repeat what's already been said, because there's been a long history now, four years of detention. And those who are in community detention are not allowed to even do voluntary, unpaid work, go for a course anywhere. They have a, they have a case manager who can go to the place where they've been appointed to stay anytime, see what they're doing, ring them up, etc., etc. It is like a house arrest. Now, the other thing is that <clears throat> I don't know if you know, and I've provided this for the um, Refugee Action Collective to put up, but this is the contraption that is used currently not only for the men being transferred from Manus to PNG, this contraption restraint is being used here in Victoria. It's being used to transfer women from interstate between the detention centres. And this year, a young woman who had a terrible tragedy in uh, Nauru was transferred from Maribyrnong Detention Centre to a hospital for treatment. She was ill. This contraption was kept on her for the seven hours in ED and she couldn't even wipe the tears from her face. This contraption is not used in adult correction services. Now, this, these people are not Hannibal Lecter. And for, for Dutton to announce this 
a, a horrendous um, human rights violation last week of turfing people out. Um, he did it at the same time about saying he's sending again all these criminals. But these people are not criminals. They're people I would be very happy to have as neighbours. And they're people who um, found that it was safe, that have uh, enormous trauma from their places of origin has already been uh, mentioned. And some of those cases I'm aware of that have been mentioned. Then in four years of cumulative harm that has occurred has been horrendous. Now women who have been abused sexually on Nauru go to Casa House for counselling in handcuffs and guards. Do you think that's the way we give counselling for people who've been sexually abused to go in handcuffs to Casa or handcuffs to Foundation House for counselling for victims of torture? Um, when I have actually written to the head of IHMS, the chief medical officer, who is a psychiatrist, and said, get these things off people. It has only happened occasionally when we've, when we've actually made a noise about a particular um, asylum seeker. This is what's being used. Now, I can tell you one of the deepest griefs for me is that there are doctors employed by IHMS, my profession, who are colluding with this silence. And one of the head of mental health services in IHMS, and I'm stepping out now, said to me two years ago, Helen, you don't understand. People who have been sexually assaulted on, on Nauru, and I tell you what they are on Manus too, must go back to Nauru, otherwise you are creating a psychological problem called avoidance. And that children in detention, if their parents didn't, I quote, crap on, then the children wouldn't be traumatised. Now I can tell you that there are children here from Nauru who are too frightened to go in the backyard, they're in community detention because there are pebbles on the back little courtyard because it reminds them of Nauru. There are children who when they go in the supermarket now in community detention, get fearful and can wet themselves when they see a police officer or somebody in a uniform. When a young mother was given a diagnosis on Nauru of having an um, adjustment disorder, when in fact she had 10 renal stones, and anyone who knows what renal colic's like, you can't get worse pain, when she was then eventually brought to Australia, and I'm not telling you the full story of what happened to her and her family, she still had nearly eight months in Victoria in detention before anything was done by those stones at an emergency then at Epworth Hospital. So I tell you, I tell you that one of the, and I will close with two very brief uh, statements quoting um, asylum seekers. One of them said to me recently, <clears throat> who's had this treatment, and I can tell you the transfers between the detention centres are done during the night. They are dragged out of bed. They are often uh, not able to dress or put shoes on. They are these contraptions put on a plane, not told what's happening to them or where they're going. Now, this young woman who's tertiary educated said to me, Helen, we're like a broken pot. We're not even worth a pot plant. When you have a pot plant, you think about where are you going to put it? The sun, the shade, the water. But we're a broken pot where we can be kicked anywhere and any rubbish can be put in it. And finally, when the, the High Court failed to uphold, although it wasn't unanimous, the, uh, um, the, the pleas by lawyers about people being held in indefinite detention by Australia, a little girl who's had a tremendously traumatic experience on Nauru said, if I die, would heaven give me a visa? Let them land, let them stay. 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 So many of the refugees who this week learned that the Australian government will starve them and evict them 
in an effort to force them from Australia into offshore concentration camps are Rohingyan, a religious minority in Burma where the Burmese government is massacring and burning whole Rohingyan villages right now. Rohingyans who flee Burma seeking asylum here are met with the brutality of the Australian government's inhumane and punitive refugee policies and many are held in the permanent hell of the government's offshore concentration camps. In his phone call with Donald Trump earlier this year, Turnbull bragged about these disgusting hardline policies to which Donald Trump replied in admiration, we should do that here, you are worse than I am, proving that the Australian government leads the world in cruelty and brutality. This puts all the more impetus upon us here today to continue to come out and fight for the rights of refugees. Our next speaker is Shafiq Islam, chairman of the Australian Burmese Rohingya organization. He's also an active trade unionist in the NUW, so make him feel welcome. Thank you very much. Thank, thanks, Chloe. Um, I'm here today to share a story of uh, being a Rohingya and what, uh, what the Rohingya is. So Rohingya is uh, people from minority group from Burma facing ethnic uh, facing ethnic uh, cleansing since from 1962, and we fled here as a refugees. I, I fled here in uh, 2013. I came here by boat. In 2013, uh, I spent uh, three and a half months in camp and arrived here in 2013. The first time when I arrived here, one of the immigration officers said, uh, "Everyone is equal in Australia." When I released from uh, detention and went to immigration office asking some uh, visa issues, uh, the officer saying, "You know, you're not, you're not allowed to allowed to uh, ask here because you came here by both you illegal migrants." So, um, the reason why we came here, we we came here, we put our lives at risk, spent nine days, ten days on the boats. You don't know where you could be died on the on the sea so w the reason we came here we expect and we expected to be treated and fair, uh, fair and equally here in australia now we're not tr we're not treating a fair and equally here in australia so we're here that's the reason why we're here today so after after we came here in australia the the, the department uh, changed the policy makes harder so we still on uh, st still on Beijing visa still not not a proper job and uh, the policy make us harder, so we need to change Sorry. A, a policy. We asked, uh, how do we change a policy uh, from uh, with the uh, voices of uh, people? Sorry, with my speech, it's my first time, and I, I've never done a, a public speech. I'm sorry again. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, as you know, uh, refugees has a, a very good story in in Australia. Refugee contributed uh, to build a. Uh, uh, better nations to build a better place here in Australia. We would like to be part of that, uh, and we, de we deserve this. So we're here not to take Australian jobs. We're here to make a better nations to be secured. We felt our life, we felt our life, and secured our whole life. We we asked, we we asked, and we're here for a secure life, not to take other jobs. And we would like to say. Being a refugee, I would like to say I'm proud to be a Rohingya. I'm proud to be a, refu a refugee, and I will support, I'll support an, another refu uh, refugee. Not even in Manus and Manus and Naro. It's only about 400,000, thousands of people are uh, a refugee living in Indonesia, waiting for a process. So we need to get them here. Let them, let them here. Let them get them here. And, and also, uh, next Thursday we're doing a. a same, same rally, especially about Rohingyan are facing uh, ethnic cleansing. Even in the last five days, uh, thousands of people, di uh, people died by army uh, in Burma, and 20,000 people fled in Bangladesh neighbor country. So we're doing here a rally in next time. Uh, next time, please come here along and support to us. Thank you very much. Thanks. Let them land. Let them stay. Let them land, let them stay. Let them land, let them stay. Let them land, let them stay. 
Thank you so much for speaking out today. Now the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre are currently working tirelessly to ensure that the asylum seekers here are not abandoned on the streets and are fundraising to provide basic yet necessary services. If you wish to financially assist them, you can SMS the word SAFE, S-A-F-E, um, as the keyword to 0437 371371. So that's 0437 and click the link sent back to you. You then type in your first and last name, your email address and the amount that you wish to donate. Every single bit helps and they are one of the major service providers for these really vulnerable people. So before we begin marching, I'd like to say that we, the Refugee Action Collective, meet every Monday at 6.30. You can like us on Facebook and go on our website to find out more about us and who we are as an organisation and also about the refugee movement more generally. So our next big action is on October 8 and we want this one to be as big as the Palm Sunday rally that usually gets tens of thousands of people. So more than details are on our Facebook page or you can go to the Refugee Action Collective store just over there under that um, the light, under the street light, um, and that's where you can pick up flyers and posters about the event, and you can collect a bundle of posters to put up in your local area to help publicise it. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't already, feel free to go over there and grab some. You can also buy t-shirts, magnets, badges and stickers, and all donations go towards having events like these, printing costs and, having, and giving phone credit to the refugees that are stuck offshore. So from here we're going to be marching down to Fed Square to take our message to the people of Melbourne and it would be ideal if we could just have everyone marching behind the, um, oh it's already gone, the orange um, banner that's already there. So we'll be heading on down now. Thank you very much for coming. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government in our name treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. It's hard to go on living when your future is denied. I think when you lock a child up, you lock up their imagination. And when you do that, you destroy the childhood. Looking after kids is so important because they grow into adults and that gets passed on. So, no, we're not looking after them properly. We get the habit of cruelty, it will spread. And we're getting the habit of cruelty. Do we want future citizens of Australia to start their lives like this? No other country in the world holds children in the way that we do, and the United Nations and, uh, is very, very concerned about Australia's policies. I would take every child out of detention. I think there are ways that we can do it. We just have to be imaginative. I thought that we were better than this. To do something about it, go to wbttoz.org.
We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we got the hell. Lots of changes. Australia is a crime scene. It's unfinished business, this crime. People don't understand that it was a military exercise. It was military in the first fleet. It was Captain James Cook. It was Captain Arthur Phillip. Right through the history of Australia, it's a military exercise. Our people have suffered greatly because the white man is not prepared to act honourably and legally. Still the case in this country today. This is 3CR. Pressure MC from the Hilltop Hoods. Hey, what's up? This is Safa from the Hilltop Hoods. You're listening to 3CR, 855 AM on your dial. Support community radio and subscribe now.